We're in Beirut for a new episode of the Beirut Banyan, and we're joined by Tala Ramadan. We discuss Clubhouse's appeal in Lebanon and the region, advantages at discussing with opposing sides over Twitter's more familiar echo chamber, and attempts at state censorship over the audio exchange platform. Our conversation includes increased popularity of podcasts and long-form conversations, and how journalists turn to these platforms for information and storylines when reporting through mainstream outlets. Tala Ramadan is a Beirut-based journalist. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan. for people to sort of structure this kind of uh, protests or uh, try to navigate what they want to ask for. Like, you know, it's some sort of manifesto kind of trying to come up with this particular thing. Hey, just to have an, a good implement, implementation plan and, uh, and go with it, not just go with the flow. Do you sense that Clubhouse is the platform where people go to push the limit? And the reason I ask it this way is because the typical social media outlets that I use and that I depend on for information increasingly feel like echo chambers. It's everyone I agree with on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Even on the comments, sometimes you do see sort of opponents, if you will, sort of come and attack, but then they're attacked too <laughs> by your support. Exactly. So it doesn't really bear much fruit in the conversation. But Clubhouse, the, the, the times I've entered, and I have to admit, I'm not a frequent user, but I do check it at, at least one time a day. It's very calm. It's almost the unusually civilized discourse where people are taking turns expressing how they feel. And maybe I'm not going to the right places. Maybe it is volatile in other channels or other rooms. But my experience with Clubhouse is that it's calming. And you can have a conversation with the other team. You can listen. And people are more comfortable maybe expressing. Does that resonate with you? And at least your interactions with Clubhouse. And not, not necessarily just Lebanon, but the entire region, the way the region is using the app. Basically, uh, the civilized part of this uh, application, even if you like uh, tackle the, word, the terminologies they're using for their actions, for instance, you have leave quietly. So basically, they're really trying to teach us how to behave in, in some sort of way, uh, which is actually really impressive, honestly, because we're this culture of a lot of people talking at the same time and, you know, all of that. And you know, it's really nice to see that we're trying to manage to be civilized again. And uh, that's one aspect to it. And also like the part where you have to raise your hand to, to speak for the moderator to let you in and all of that. I mean... This is a civilized uh, way of uh, having this kind of uh, 
salon for talking and having a lot of opinion. And actually in China, before it got, uh, the, before the application got banned, um, it, it was called like some sort of enlightenment salon for them, for oh. Chinese users, because uh, a lot of people went to Clubhouse application to educate themselves because it was the only place that where uh, it's not a censored application, but uh, obviously it's, uh, it got censored after that and actually they blocked it. Um, so it is a place where people get educated, uh, people learn to, you know, somehow uh, break their ideological bubbles and try to get out of their uh, routine and taboo uh, topics. Uh, that's why you see a lot of uh, Saudi women, they're trying to talk about women without hijab, for instance, mm. or all of that, or uh, the sex life or whatever, all of that. So basically it's, it's really, um, some sort of free space to a certain extent where people are really, really trying to just invest in their knowledge you know, at, the, at the core uh, basic level. And of course, there are an entertainment level to it and like the other side to it. But for, for most of people who are using it currently, it's a really place where they can get educated or just by, just by listening to other, other people's opinions. And um, I think this is what's really helping now because I mean, especially with the timing, you know, with the pandemic and because a lot, like we had this uh, problem of lack of socializing and somehow Clubhouse made us have excess socializing. There's a socialization because of COVID. There's a void that we all need to sort of, we just need to interact with people and the timing couldn't be better that this if I'm not mistaken, Clubhouse was launched in early 2020, yeah. but it didn't really catch on until last few months. But so it's been really the COVID era. So it fills that void. And I, I agree with you that there's a, I wouldn't go as far as maybe using the word education, but let's, let's go there. Let's say that this is an education tool. From your side, why do you sense that there's more or no, no, I'll say differently. Why is there less fake news or fake sort of fake narrative or fake or even misinformation on Clubhouse so far than other places? And the reason I'm asking it this way is that every room that I've entered in Clubhouse, I don't sense that there's a push to get clicks. There's no sort of, there's no clickbait. There's no trending topic that is more abusive than, than uh, sort of healthy, it almost seems like you have to make the effort to go to the topic that resonates with you the most, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a heated sort of uh, typical fighting, violent sort of debate style that we're used to, whether it's on the news, traditional news, these sort of horrible panel discussions where people shout at each other, or for that matter, on social media, where you wake up in the morning, if you check Twitter, you can get a migraine from all the toxicity there. I don't sense that in Clubhouse. So is there something that sort of allows a healthier conversation there? And I'll add to that, I noticed that there's a verification process that's unusual as well, that you cannot just simply, it's hard to fake your identity. You're kind of pushed. I don't know if this is for data collection or maybe marketing reasons, probably, but that you, you have to be invited and add to that, there's a push to have your social media platforms recognized 
And I think there's an encouragement, if not an implicit assumption that you're using your real name, that you can't sort of just make up your name. Or if you can, it's harder to do it on Clubhouse. I'm asking many things here, but I'm just trying to get to why it's, why it's working. I think it's working because a lot of uh, aspects to it, basically because it's audio. So basically I can be working, I can be uh, playing with my pets and still uh, trying to get in a room and talk and have my opinion out there about something very serious. And people will actually listen because they're not going to be, uh, you know, like taken away by uh, the details of the pictures or visuals that I might be presenting. So uh, people will be focusing on just what I'm saying, and which is really important because that will give me the space to talk even more and be more confident with what I'm saying. And uh, because I know that people who are in this room will have the same, uh, I'm not going to say that they, they want to hear the same thing that I would want to say, but at least they want to talk about the same topic. So I know that I am welcome here and I, I will be talking about this and whoever will not be uh, you know, on the same side or same line or doesn't want to hear me out, can just leave quietly. <laughs> um, right. So basically, I think that's a very, very good aspect to it because people really feel comfortable talking and um, they just want to share everything that they would be maybe shy or afraid to do to, to do that in public or maybe with, with their uh, looks showing. So mm. basically, I think this is maybe more of the psychological aspect to it. So that it's, um, our, it's our own voices and that's why we're less... We're, we're, we're reluctant to sort of go further than we would in other areas because it's our exactly yeah mm. um i think of it like the the voice program so basically when you when someone you know you can't see the person you're just going to turn around if you like their voices i'm mm. not saying that it's the same with the voices but i'm saying with the content itself that's that's being presented by the speaker so uh i like to think of it this way i like to I like the similarity because it really shows that people can really be judgmental when they see the person. So uh, maybe if they can only hear their, what they're saying, all of that it will be more spontaneous and they could actually accept the other's ideas. There's something and, about, oh, I'll just interrupt for a moment. Sorry about this. There's something about having to take turns There's that's very attractive. That it's not, you have to sort of wave your hand and to have the host invite you into the conversation. I don't know if that's the best way of doing it, but it seems to work so far that you can't just come in and shout. And I sense that, exactly. yeah, Twitter, even though you're not, you're not shouting, you're just sort of, you're tweeting, but it's a free for all. And it kind of gets messy in, on the way, but Clubhouse seems to have a structure that works sort of uh, everyone can speak, but you have to wait and listen. So the patience is built in. But, but sorry, I was interrupting you. I just wanted, I wanted to see if that, if that resonated with you as well. Exactly. I mean, especially that you need to wait for your turn. So basically, you need to be listening to other people, uh, their content, their opinion, what they have to say. Maybe you can be convinced with their points and maybe not. But uh, it would teach you to listen to others. And I think that's a really, really important thing to do now. Because nowadays, we're just, you know, the mass thought, mass uh, implementation of our own unique ideas and we cannot accept someone else's ideas uh this like somehow teaches us to you know not we need to listen we need to see maybe we can change our minds maybe we can change someone else's mind um and civil in a civilized manner not in a way mm -hmm. that we are 
you know, like trying to attack this person or whatsoever. So it's a very peaceful way. And uh, I think hey, this cue kind of, you know, like waiting for your turn to speak and all of that, it's a really nice feeling because you get really excited and you just want to, you know, focus on your content. It gives you even more time to focus on what you want to say. And uh, you know, you'll, you'll be saying whatever you want to say clearly and peacefully and with no interruption. There's something that you wrote in the piece that sort of hit me. It hit, it hit home. And I'll, I'll quote you to you. The rise of Clubhouse, particularly during the pandemic, reflects a cultural willingness for verbal communication and perhaps a growing comfort with the type of conversation that has become popular on podcasts. I'll say this up front. It's the reason I know you from my podcast. I think it's the reason why I know most journalists in Beirut. A few, not from the podcast, but the majority, overwhelming majority from the podcast. And there's many podcasts today, not just in, I mean, the world over, but Lebanon, the scene is sort of, it's healthy. And I sort of, I say this in in jest, but it almost feels sometimes like everyone has a podcast. (laughs) Or maybe sometimes the word is used in a way that everyone wants to share their voice and they can. And it's almost I mean, it's, it's not expensive. It's not expensive to host a podcast. It does cost some money, but it's not, a, it's not a burden. It's not a financial burden. Clubhouse is free. You just need your phone. You need to join, get invited, set up a room. And in a way, you have your own outlet. Maybe it's not as, maybe it's not as, it's not old. So maybe the, the terrain is still sort of people are learning as they go. Podcasts, there's infrastructure, there's hosts, there's hosting, there's platforms, and there are plenty. But I was surprised to learn that Spotify may be even doing something similar, that they may be opening up to live podcasts, which I don't know then what's the difference between a live podcast and a clubhouse room. It almost seems like the same thing. I'm curious from your side. You're a journalist. You're focused on Lebanon. You work in traditional, you, you work for well-established platforms, media, paper, ma- online magazines. Why are you turning to me for information? I, I know the lure of joining a clubhouse room, but why would a journalist be cued in to a podcast? I really believe that, for instance, a lot of journalists are tuning into clubhouse to listen to people. And what are they trying to say? We're always saying what's politicians are trying to say we're always showing the strategy of the government whatever how is this reacting in the how, how are people reacting in the street but a lot of times we miss the people's opinion you know um, this is this is the core of journalism because i really believe this is what drives us to actually do what we have to do this is um for instance people have may have a lot of opinion or maybe ideas but they never have the time or the effort or the means to go on the streets and portray them. So I really think that tuning into a free application and a lot of people, which means that a lot of people are using it. So basically you're Mm -hmm. going to hear a lot of people from different cultures, from different uh, parts of this country. And you can still hear something that's genuine because they don't need to be, you know, uh, sugarcoating whatever they're going to say, or they're not going to feel shy, or they're just saying whatever they want to say, because this is, their own opinion and i really feel like this is really a very very good place to get 
um, a lot of insights of how people are feeling, how people are seeing things and whether they have a certain plan that they want to go for. Uh, what is it exactly that people are concerned about? Um, and I think for me personally, this is exactly how I like to see what I want to cover for my next topics. For instance, when I see mm. someone that's uh, like people when, when they're really concerned about, uh, let's say, privacy issues for Clubhouse or, or any other application, that really drives me to do the research because uh, this is my job. Like, I feel like I, I can do the, the research to uh, go for uh, experts uh, and their inputs and all of that and put that all together in one piece and give them up to people, it's like an answer. Um, of course, I try my best to do that, Jana, but you know, I like to listen to people. I like to, you know, I always tell you that I like to take the cab, take the service and just listen to people what they're trying to say because I can learn a lot and I can know a lot of what people they genuinely want to put out there. So insights. So the conversations are Clubhouse may even be steering the conversation away from Clubhouse, that you're actually gaining exactly. insight and you, that's the next story. That's really interesting. And exactly. I, never, I, never, I never thought of it this way as replacing, not replacing, but adding to you going on the street to talk to people. And during COVID, it's just impossible to do it. So you have to go to Clubhouse. I didn't think of that. It's that that's the source of material. Exactly. And a lot of people are saying you know, the conversation, even if it has a, a kind of title that says politics, it can go from politics to, you know, mundane uh, habits or mm, you know, mundane issues that they're facing. So it's really a heavy, heavy place for a conversation. And people can learn a lot, even if they're not journalists, they can learn a lot because they can just hear the other side of the story, the other side of the world. And I just wanted to also comment about the uh, fake news uh like yes. it's not really you can't really feel the fake news uh, world or era and clubhouse because of because you know there's nothing that's being screenshotted and shared and a lot of people are sharing without knowing the the, the context or background. So for instance, I can uh, I can know a, a fake news from a traditional uh, media outlet and share it on clubhouse, but some someone will answer me back and say no, and that's not true because this and that and try to mm. you know uh, put my uh, my story into perspective so I think because a lot of people are trying to listen rather than just jump into conclusions it almost seems like it's the evolution of what everyone was afraid of that fake news was dominating social media but now you have the capability of vetting enough on something like clubhouse and that I think in in my my experience it's really it's actually not so easy to use, which I think makes it better. You have to actually make an effort to search what you're looking for. And there's, in a way, people use different platforms to advertise that they're hosting something on Clubhouse. So it doesn't really feel like a toxic relationship with the, with the user. I never get sick of Clubhouse or I don't feel emotional. Actually, rather, I'm, I'm, maybe I will adopt the word education. I, I do feel like I learn. When I, when because, I, I mean, it's uh, some sort of a la carte kind of uh, mm-hmm. using like the application because you choose what you want, what you feel like uh, listening to or talking about. Right. So it's really selective up to your mood or your, um, your whatever you know, interest, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Clubhouse, at least it, 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 it explains its policy. It's a bit vague. It, says it does not permanently store the recording. 
if I understood it right, it's that they're making sure there's no abuse, that there's no harassment, exactly. there's no legal problems there. But the fact is, and you said it, you can't, you can't just trust that. <laughs> you can't trespass. Or if you are doing that, it's it's not easy to do it. You have to actually use a third party app or something that makes it not convenient. So the desire is not there. Or it, the desire may be there, but it's not easy to do it. But then I'm going to sort of go into the privacy territory. Um, it, it increasingly feels like this could be too good to be real, too good to be true, that it's not necessarily a safe space, so to speak, to voice your concerns. And I think that's really the gist of the article. And I'll take liberty here in quoting you to you again. The kindling of a sense of connection through the intimacy of voice and improvised conversation ultimately comes at a price. The app is under scrutiny for privacy breaches, unmoderated offensive and aggressive language, as well as ambiguity regarding data storage. And this is perhaps going to our part of the world. Authorities in different countries in our region are reportedly blocking or throttling Clubhouse as more people practice free expression on the platform. So there's a double-edged sword there that exactly. we, may, we may not feel safe enough using Clubhouse for our own reasons that are not state level. And then you have states that are concerned as well that the population is speaking too much. So in that terrain, is Lebanon in a way exempt from that problem because we have a dysfunctional state and a very sort of angry society that that's sort of, it's not our concern so much as it may be in a place like Saudi Arabia or Iran or anywhere in the Gulf, or perhaps even Jordan right now, Prince Hamza, King Hussein, and now they're shutting the down the drama <laughs> there. Is it more of a concern in those countries than in Lebanon, where there still is enough sort of debate, with or without Clubhouse? Honestly, I think it's an equal risk to all of the, the states, because mm. uh, somehow if someone is, you know, uh, against a certain political uh, party and said something about this particular party so let's say someone else is with this particular party and they just you know they can record uh, from another phone they can record your voice and they can also like show the, your name uh, they can have it recorded as a video so uh, right. Right. There, there's still a, a risk imposed and that's why we always urge people to not share everything so openly unless they know a lot of people who are in the room and, you know, just always be careful because you never know who is recording or who is uh, taking uh, a video of the conversation in the room, which is why the risk is equally imposed on, on all the countries. Um, for instance, I was telling you that China uh, had uh, yes. Clubhouse, but they banned it again. Mm -hmm. So now activists and whoever raise their voices, they're really concerned because they don't know if the authorities are going to pull back, you know, all the rooms and the recordings and all of that and they're just scared for their lives because they thought that it's a really um you know enlightenment time for politics for everything that they wanted to uh, talk about their human uh, human rights abuses and all of that and they're really scared now because if the if the authorities somehow uh spot these uh talks or rooms they will be in like a huge trouble so i think it's imposed on everyone and uh especially also in the Arab countries, like uh, aside from Lebanon, um, Oman, Amman, and uh, Saudi Arabia. Again, yeah, they don't have a certain space 
and a platform to have this liberty. And this is always like impossible for them. And Clubhouse was the only space for them to talk openly about whether the government, the politics in the country or the reforms that they want to have in this country. They never had space for it. Uh, topics in Saudi Arabia and these countries, oppressed countries, uh, are uh, stories about politics, which means that we really, they really need a space for that. They really need a place to uh, amplify their voices, but they're still scared. You know, it's going towards the earlier part of the piece and you say it up front. Participants voiced their opinions about the Gulf's normalization of Israeli ties, racism, and transgender rights. And I can't think of any, I mean, the aggressive attitude towards even WhatsApp, let alone Skype at times is banned. But that seems like very old technology now, or trying to censor Facebook or whatever. The capabilities are, there's always a war, if you will, on that kind of expression but I've, I've entered those rooms and you have Saudis talking about issues that I never imagined possible in the Saudi Arabian context. And then there's the story of VPNs. And I don't know if this was your article. It, it may have been your article where yes. the, the UAE is trying to <laughs> throttle the internet and nobody notices because nobody, <laughs> everyone's using a VPN. So is that sort exactly. of a, is it a fait accompli that once you have this out there, people will just, they'll find ways to use it. And there's no way of really cracking down on an app like Clubhouse, even in the most oppressive state. It's just too difficult to completely shut down the conversation today. Actually, a lot of countries have succeeded in shutting out, out the conversations completely. And that's very unfortunate. But a lot of people are always trying to find an alternative. And that's mm. the like hopeful place to look at it. So uh, basically, uh, China, when they had this opportunity, they saw it as something that's amazing. And that's why they used it heavily at the time when it was still not banned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saudi Arabia is the best example for that, although they, they might be scared, but it was still like some, some sort of like, you know, shining light for them to have a space to talk openly. Um, a lot of authorities have the means to actually shut these uh, applications and like, you know, uh, try not to have any applications for people to have these thoughts and all of that, but people are still going to try and have an alternative because this is what uh, social media has taught us in a way or another. Uh, This could be a good thing and a bad thing, but a lot of people are just trying to find an alternative. And that's why we always um, reach out for new applications, try to learn about them and try to see if like, you know, if we can use them with VPN or if we can use them safely or not. So I think that's our urge and, uh, and a lot of people's concern. You know, I'll say this from my side. I think it's the first time I've actually had the opportunity to address this. I'm glad the clubhouse debate is out there. And the reason I say this for maybe selfish reasons, but also in principle, because it matters to me. This is a great way of debunking everyone's concern. There's like, your episode's too long. Keep it at five minutes. Keep it at 20 <laughs> minutes. Keep it on Instagram. In other words, don't let the conversation flow limited to the shortest attention span. And I refuse to do that. And podcasts implicitly are, they're they're designed for the long form. They're not designed for somebody to just sort of have a scatterbrain attitude to information. The whole whole attraction, the whole reason this, this thing exists is to allow something like this to happen. 
you can flush out one topic and there's no rush, there's no interruption. For that matter, there's nothing to stop us. We could probably go as long as we pleased. So Clubhouse, the rooms, these conversations last hours and people come in and out and there's no, I mean, there may be a defined time, but the last time I was on Clubhouse, two hours in, I was still listening to the same, I mean, the conversation was, was being debated at a healthy pace and I could have listened for hours longer. And I think there is a healthy, there's a real demand for this type of information and exchange that people are not interested any longer in that kind of escalating entertainment style boxing scenes that we're too used to. This may be winning over time. And when I say that to you, does that sound too naive and romantic? I, I completely agree. I just, yeah. um, I also believe that, I'm sorry, you want to say something? Well, uh, no, I wanted to say that in my short lifetime, in my, in my short span on with podcasting, it's been several years only. I've seen many podcasts emerging on the Lebanese scene. And there was, there was at least one or two, maybe before I started, that were well-established. But it's catching on. It's catching on. And, and, and I think it, it is working. I think there's an audience there. And it helps, maybe, that just the internet won. You don't have to wait for something at 8 p.m. now to listen to a 30-minute shouting match. You can tune in at your convenience. And at least for podcasts, it's, it's always out there. Clubhouse, it's not. You have, to, you have to join the room and then it doesn't stay. But when, when it comes to podcasting, it's permanent. This conversation will live forever as long as I'm paying for my hosting service fee. But, but that's, I think there's something there. And it wins long term. But I'm sorry, I, I was interrupting you, please. What, what, no, 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 I completely agree. I think um, there are, again, two aspects to that. Um, people are really uh, longing or loving uh, spontaneous uh, and more like, you know, something that doesn't need a lot of effort because, you know, we, we can spot efforts when we see it now. So basically, maybe clubhouse uh, conversations are really like they're not really um, studied or, or mm -hmm. like there isn't a, a sort of effort uh, put into them. It's, they're very spontaneous well, to a certain extent at least. And they're very, you know, like when, whoever wants to talk can raise their hands, they, they can talk. And the, the thing is that there are a lot of speakers. So basically people who uh, go for podcasts, I go for a lot, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I love doing that because I feel like whenever you uh, choose to, to listen to a certain podcast and to give it your time and, you know, to just focus on, the, on its content it's because you trust uh, the presenter so you give him your trust because you want to give this time and listen to what he has to say and because you trust his choice of uh, interviewees so basically this is like a, a trust you know you know it's transactional kind of uh, effort uh, between the person who's listening and the person who is uh, presenting the podcast while on clubhouse it's just like you know you know if I didn't like what they're saying I can just leave quietly and that would be it uh, right. I can go for another room or whatever. And yeah. um, so basically, I think that's it. Yeah. People can have a bit of both, you know, like sometimes you need, you know, some fresh content uh, from a lot of people. You want to listen to people discussing their uh, opposing uh, points of view. And sometimes you just want to listen to one person uh, who is maybe interviewing another person. Like, you know, 
يعني you have a certain limited kind of uh, people you're listening to not a lot of people are just trying to uh, and a lot of people actually like this uh, uh, formula like you know a presenter and someone asking and someone asking and someone answering it's like it's and it's a choice for me the ability of seeing statistics i'm always happy when i see that the audio listeners the listenership is in the thousands per episode so i mean the total number is actually quite large so there's a, there's a huge audio listenership that uh, that's attracted to the audio format and i refuse to let go of the audio I mean, the podcast is not a podcast unless you have an audio platform right. and you have a host which lets you spread it through different channels so i insist on that and that's honestly that's where my audience is i'm not too concerned when the video numbers are fairly low compared to the audio i used to believe it's just me i'm too ugly for video but now i know that it's not that it's that podcasts pull in the audio listener and there's an there's an intimacy there and your article in a way expresses that that the intimacy is important is anonymity the problem with the with the usual format that we're not we know most of the users on twitter but we don't know all of them and we don't know enough about them and that uh, in a way allows us to hide and say things that we wouldn't say otherwise or share things that we wouldn't share if we actually had that level of intimacy is that the recipe is that the magic if you will about this format and particularly in clubhouse that it's just it's calming it it reminds me of the radio that i used to listen to as a child that's gone nobody i mean i don't know anyone that sort of has a radio at home where they listen um, to i can so relate <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's the it's the it's that level of you're not there's no one it's just it's soothing and is that is that why it works um i think it's also the attention span because a lot of people might be looking into something and just you know look at the details at the background at the wall it's something uh, yes. really really that's uh, our attention span is an issue <laughs> um along uh, and apart from that particular issue i think that a lot of people are actually also going for something that they can listen to and multitask for instance i can be working and still listening right. to a podcast and that's convenient to me because i can do a lot of things and still uh, get to listen to you for instance and now or hello uh, <laughs> <I like> someone <laughs> yeah. so uh, basically you know i think it's convenient it's uh, quite of uh, like how we deal with our attention spam and because it's uh, again you know, people are trying to move away from the traditional media in terms of you know, televised uh, media not, not necessarily something that they can read but they just want something that they can listen that they can uh, digest and like you know take all the information without any uh, interpretation of the person's looks or the background or you know right, all of that right. so basically they just want these this raw information that the host can give you um and i think that's why people are loving this new culture um and especially that you can like you know listen to the, you know back in time when they wanted to announce war they used to do it through radios because yes, a lot of yeah. it can reach a lot of people and people can actually consume the from the news and digest it and have it like you know uh properly 
uh, informed and they can be properly informed by it. But you said the word independent a few times, and that is really the definition of independent media, where we're not, there's no sponsorship. I'm not, no, I don't know any podcast in the Lebanese scene, at least, where you have a, a, a company or a big sponsor pushing an agenda. It's actually citizens who want to share exactly. their, it's, yeah. It's, but, it's a fair discussion because I want to put out what I want to say, and maybe a politician would be in the room and just, you know, try to debate with me. And I'll be welcoming that because, uh, of course, to a certain extent, but, you know, I would be putting out my my opinion and he could be saying something back and a lot of people can back me or not back me, but at least we can have some sort of conversation that's civilized and that we could reach a point with us. Let's, let's sort of dissect them. On an amateur level, without scientific data, let's sort of brainstorm here. Uh, at least when it comes to Instagram, Megaphone, Dadaj Media seem to be winning in terms of independent platforms that can use Instagram effectively. Add to that, you have unusual people that are emerging. Some are historians, some are political scientists, some are political psychologists and they resonate, they're attractive. The way they sort of, the way they share their information seems to work. I turn to them regularly on Instagram. So I actually use Instagram for information and I find it very appealing. Twitter, you have sort of independent journalists that seem to flourish on Twitter. And in a way their careers begin sometimes on Twitter and sometimes they work for bigger outlets, sometimes they don't. But Twitter has a sort of a healthy, a healthy environment for independent voices, independent journalists. Notice I'm excluding Facebook, but that's honestly because I think Facebook is used less and less by the younger generation. Yeah. But I'll, I'll just say Instagram and Facebook as one sort of entity. You have audio platforms. Anyone with a smartphone can listen to them on a multi, multiple ways of doing it, multitude of channels. Now you have Clubhouse, an app designed for the, at least for now, the iPhone user, but it'll eventually open up to Android. Nowhere in the conversation is LBC, MTV, Al Jadid. It's not even there. And uh, I'm going to ask you this, in a, and you tell me as much as you can, or as much as you'd like. Is it a sense of that the news that we were used to was just too elitist? It sort of there was a disconnect between news, the way we understood it, the way we interacted with it. And the average person who was not perhaps getting what they wanted from it. And this is sort of in a way just correcting that, that you don't have much elitism when it comes to this platform or these platforms. On the contrary, it seems like it's a real bottom up, real grassroots like thing that took off without sounding too, in a way, cheesy here, but just trying to understand what the appeal is at the end of the day and why this seems to be where not just you, but Everyone I know is turning to these outlets or this these platforms to get information. I, I don't I don't know anyone who watches TV for information today. I simply don't know, with the rare exception of one Albert Constanian, who seems to be actually turning to these platforms to get voices. So it's almost turning to the independent voices that are on on social media or on Clubhouse and putting them on TV. So it almost seems like uh, he's in a way bridging it. But as much exactly. as you can say about that. 
I agree with you on Albert because he really tries to select experts. And uh, nowadays we need experts, not just people who have opinion and randomly say them out loud. So I really think he's uh, doing a great job with that. And um, I believe that people are turning away from uh, uh, from the TV and like specifically in Lebanon because we know that um, certain or basically the monopoly we have over politicized uh, news outlets that are uh, televised Basically, they're, they're really, they have a certain line. They have a certain political line that we sort of all, we've been uh, like, you know, we've normalized it somehow to a certain ex extent up until we had an alternative that, uh, you know, people who have an opposing uh, kind of uh, journey or political agenda, or they just, they're just people like us, like you and me, because, you know, mm. people are just, you know, getting used to this spontaneous kind of approach and they just want that even more because that's the real conversation. That's what people really want to hear. They want to hear experts who, is, who, who are not trying to fulfill a certain political agenda. They just want to hear experts and listen to statistics and have data that are concrete, nothing that's abstract or nothing that's opinionated. And I think that um, the more people got used to this, a new culture or new habits, the more they are asking for it. And that's why a lot of people are no longer watching uh, these political shows that are on the traditional news media because they are mm. not, you know, they can't uh, accept this anymore. You know, once you've seen an alternative that's really good and that's really feeding your interest and knowledge, you know, you will no longer settle for something that's only uh, set for a certain particular agenda. But when you say the word experts, you as a journalist, are you finding these experts in these platforms? And just the way you the way you would want to interview somebody, or you want to sort of get information, are you using what sort of the same terrain, or do you still go to the older ways of of accessing? Because I'm curious how you would do it, since you're using that word, and it's important that we have, we have so many experts, but. I, I don't really find them. I don't see them that much on TV. I see them mostly on these platforms. So how, how do you exactly. do it? Um, what I try to do is a lot of, uh, you know, digging in into social media because uh, you can somehow put a keyword or uh, something that's very, you know, uh, targeted towards what you really want to find. And then you'll find a bunch of names, uh, whether it's on LinkedIn maybe or Twitter or all of these mm -hmm. uh, platforms. And then you can some sort of, you know, go into their history. You can uh, know exactly what they've done. And it makes you and it feel more comfortable if you want to go and have their own input. I, I don't know if like people who get their guests through uh, for televised um, uh, talks uh, would take the, this extra mile only because I think that they're looking for experts that also feed into a certain political agenda. So, uh, you know, you, you, you know, they're not looking into someone's uh, historical background in terms of their expertise level. I go there myself. I'm actually using all these platforms all the time. I find myself as a, quote, podcaster, if that's the right word, I guess it is, um, that I'm always plugged into the audio world. All my information comes from independent sources with the occasion of someone like you who works in a in a way, a more traditional field. You do write long-form articles. I read your pieces. I read your piece about Clubhouse. But that said, 
I'm increasingly going to these platforms rather than traditional media. But I do think at the end of the day, both are important. I don't think one can fully take over the other. I think there has to be a give and take because this whole, without the article pieces that someone like you produces, it can't just be endless conversations. There has to be fact and there has to be structured in a way that's digestible. So I'm, I mean, I think both are important. But one thing is clear, independent media took off and it's here to stay. And it's in a way it has, it has captured the mind of many. I think it has startled some of the old guard. And in a, ways, in a way, I think many are impressed for the right reasons. I had a conversation with Muffa Harib and the end of the conversation was only about independent media and why it's working. And he's a big fan of the independent, independent media's role in the debate. And that there is a winning component there, that they are winning for the right reasons. But he's also a traditional reporter and he works at the Daily Star. He at least once a week publishes an article at the Daily Star. He still advises MTV. So there is that as well. But it's, a, it's almost like a balancing act. Uh, both of us listened to an episode, a podcast episode by Saturday. So Moin Jaber, his, his podcast partner, Madea, and then Moin's father. Ali Jaber, who helped set up Future TV, who's now in Dubai with NBC. I think he's the dean of a communication school as well. But, but it's fascinating that you have a well-established traditional media figure and his son, who's fully into the independent media world, heavy on Instagram, uh, has his own podcast as well. So I think this is almost like it's, it's a turning the page, but it's not that one is completely going to take over the other. I think both are here to stay. The traditional media set the stage for uh, new news outlets. So basically, uh, we, we took a lot of uh, ideas maybe from that uh, fundamental place where everything started and all the media started. A lot of people tuned in to watch actually political news and political shows. So a lot of uh, really, really, really fundamental ethics uh, we're taking from that place. We're, we're taken from that place, and thus, you know, implemented in this new, uh, spontaneous and more independent kind of kind of approach. I'll wrap it up by saying something which is very unusual for me to express on the podcast. Um, I'm glad that our our online friendship matured fairly quickly. <laughs> from I think it was maybe it started on Facebook, perhaps. Sure. It, it went to Instagram, naturally. And then it, it, then it went to Twitter, more appropriate given what you do and what I do. And then it sort of went from there into both of us sort of attending clubhouse conversations. And this is almost like it can't go further. You're now a guest on the podcast. So that I think we reached the top of our online friendship. And I'm privileged in many ways to know you as a friend in real life. And I think that's just that still matters more than on this all this online stuff. So the physical component, the real friendship, I think, still matters. It, it'll always beat this virtual dance. So I'm I'm fortunate to consider you a friend, and I've learned a lot from your pieces, and um, I look forward to what you're doing in various outlets. I know there's more to come. Maybe I can't share that yet. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe you'll share it your your own way later. I'll leave it there. There's big stuff happening, and I'm I'm excited. For what you're for what you're doing, and um, 
I look forward to your pieces and perhaps we'll do another episode when the topics change over time. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, Thank you, Roni. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs>